This season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. Musicbed represents over 700 indie artists and composers with record label quality music for you to license. Also, check out musicbed.com for more information on their subscription service, giving you unlimited access for all your projects. As a good listener, you can get one month free off any subscription type. Just head to musicbed.com good and use coupon code good at checkout. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Licensed stock footage from world-class filmmakers. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com. Hold on. Jared? Hello? Can you hear me? Are you there? Say that again. I don't know. Are you there? Christian! What, dude? We're here. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to season six. Sam, welcome to the show. Uh, Where are you right now? I'm in New York City in my studio, which is in the apartment where I live um, in Manhattan, downtown Manhattan. Amazing. Um, well, I'm Jared. This is Christian. Welcome to Good. Um, am I imagining that what's on the wall behind you? Can you is is that like is that some kind of work in progress thing? Like, are you are those frames yeah, or different things? I have. Um, I rotate this. You can see I have this um, Canon HF printer here. Yeah. Um, so I it's sort of like a print studio. Um, so I print I print everything right in here, and I make these. Um, 17 by 22 prints and then I have these little four by six things. I have a lot of, um, I do a lot of still stuff for, you know, my job as, as a DP, um, mostly scouting and, and, you know, just sort of creating reference imagery when we're looking to create an aesthetic, but, but I have a few projects on the side, you know, still photography projects. Um, that I sort of work out and, and do stuff with here. But, you know, stuff I shoot, um, you know, digital stills. I've been shooting a lot of film lately, which I then, you know, scan. I still, you know, do them in printing, um, you know, with an inkjet printer here. Yeah. Do you uh, do you stay in, in digital world when it, when it comes to stills or do you get into analog and, and six by seven or anything like that? I, I don't do that much medium or large format stuff. Um, I, um, I have a few 35 millimeter cameras that I've been enjoying playing with lately. Um, there's, there's a great lab near my house that I can walk to that, that kind of reignited my interest in shooting film. Um, a friend had referred me to it and, um, it's nice, you know, sh- shooting film and then getting it processed and going to a place that'll scan, you know, scan it and send it to me like two days later. And then I can just, you know, I still have a lot of the control that, uh, you know, um, using Photoshop and printing here. And then if I decide I really want to, if there's a, an image I particularly like, I can, you know, get a high res scan of it and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I also have a slew of digital still cameras. Um, I've been enjoying using this one a lot lately. It's the Fuji X100V that has a fixed 23 millimeter. Love that one guy. It's the best. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and I mean, it's kind of like a Leica. Here, I'll grab my Leica. <laughs> it's not here. I guess I moved it. Wait, two seconds. Right here. All right. I love it. Um, yeah, this is my M6 with a 23 or 35 mil. You know, they're they're very similar size, um, but this is a film camera. So I usually just bring one of these out. I try and carry one around my neck at all times, just so. Yeah. Um, and I take a lot of photos just of light you know, different light, yeah. light patterns and shadow and things that when you isolate them, you look a little abstract. And do you, just as, 
Sorry, go ahead. No. Uh, do you feel like that is, uh, I guess I'm curious, like wearing that around your neck. I've, I definitely have friends like that too. Um, does it become like a, a burden for your mind to be constantly visual or do you feel like it just comes pretty naturally and it makes you, I don't know. Do you feel like you, you just like want to turn it off sometimes? It's a great question. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's nice to just not have a camera or even leave my phone at home since a phone, yeah. I mean, it has everything not to mention, you know, a camera recording. Yeah. Device. <laughs> yeah. Definitely nice to, turn it off and just look and feel and, and yeah. see. Um, but I find the stuff that I shoot when I'm just walking around usually is sort of more, more offbeat than what I might do from, you know, as my job as a DP, especially working on a movie with actors where you're yeah. telling a really specific story and, um, you know, I was inspired. There's this great documentary about Robbie Mueller called, mm. I think it's called Living with the Light. It has a title like that. Yeah. And you can see it on Vimeo. And I watched it a lot last year when I was working on uh, a movie. And Robbie Mueller shot video like all day when, yeah. when he wasn't on set. I don't know if you guys have any sense of that, his story. And anyways, he had like a one of those like, you know, high eight camera or always, he always had some kind of video camera on him. Yeah. Was always shooting, always shooting. And it's really interesting. They show a lot of this footage in the documentary. It's really beautiful. But they also interview his daughter and his family to mm. say, you know, sometimes it's challenging to <laughs> yeah. not be able to connect with them and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So I've noticed, you know, I have friends with other filmmakers or photographers who, maybe hide behind a viewfinder or things sure. like parties or social events. And you know, yeah. I try to be mindful of, of that. Um, but I guess the, the, yeah, the things to, to look at, you know, like light patterns falling on yeah. a wall or just things that are just different. It, it, the stuff I'm interested to shoot is it's just different than, what I yeah. do at work, but of course it's related, especially if there's light involved. So, you know, um, but I think it's nice, you know, particularly in between projects, it's nice to stay engaged. It's nice to just kind of be thinking about composition and light and exposure and particularly yeah. film where it's, you know, a roll of film to buy process and scan is like almost $30 now, yeah. you know, all told it's not cheap. Um, especially for, you know, young people who maybe don't, don't have a lot of money, Yeah. but it's nice that sort of purposeful moment. Um, yeah. especially with, with film is it's nice. Um, you know, just that little bit of focus interjected into your day is, is a nice feeling, but yeah, you have to be careful. It's easy. <laughs> do you, do you feel, I know Christian and I have friends, uh, you know, who are, who are DPs who, who feel this way, like, you know, on some level as a DP, um, maybe the, you lack a sense of ownership over some of the images that you're making. Do you feel like stills bring that? Do you feel a need to like have some ownership over, over like, you know, the images that you're making that maybe you don't have in the, um, in the role of like a, a, mm. a that's a great question. Uh, I've never thought of it that way. I, I, I um, well, you know, I guess there's two things going on there. There's sort of the ownership you might feel taking stills and maybe the, do I feel a, a lack of ownership sure, yeah. over images as a DP? And I think the answer is I don't feel the, a lack of ownership as a DP. I think, well, you know, the sense of what a DP is, is, you know, there's sort of a common thread to it, but it's also a very personal kind yeah. of a thing. My, my personal understanding or I don't know definition of what a cinematographer is you know someone who who works for the director you know you you, you bring you bring your your skills and your personality to work in service of, of the project in service of what the director's trying to do 
for better or worse, you know. Yeah. Um, and when it when it works well, it's really exciting. And I I, I think um, I just really like what a cinematographer is. Like you're not sort of the boss of all bosses, but you're yeah. not, you're not. Um, you know, let's just, I started as like a production assistant, like an intern and a production assistant. Like you're not doing what they're doing either, which I have a lot right. of respect for. But sure. you know, I, I have more say in the storytelling than I did when I started. But, you know, to just focus on the craft of composition and light and, you know, certainly like management and collaborating with the production team is, it's sort of like enough for me, I feel like DP is yeah. lucky. We, we do get a lot of credit relative to other key creative people in the mix. Um, yeah. But I think personally what I like about taking photos in between, it's not so much the credit. It's just the process is, is um, it's just kind of simpler and quieter. Like yeah. I, I can, it can be whatever, it can be whatever I want. And, I'm accountable just to myself. And that's a nice shift. But the other side of it is um, what I find maybe challenging sometimes is, you know, when you're on, when you're on a movie and you show up to work with it, you know, with like an army of people and you're collaborating and working towards a common goal, it's an incredibly thrilling feeling. So you you don't have that quite as much. Um, a, A good friend of mine is a, is a, is a painter, very, pretty well-known abstract painter. And when I go to his studio, it's just like, it's really his own world. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's good at that. And I'm, it's just not, not as intuitive to me because I'm so used to working on film sets. And so I don't know, that duality is really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Sam, do you find like the, the um, is there like an archival nature to what you're collecting? Like, are you sort of a pack rat in a way with images where you, you're sort of collecting certain type of things for later down the road? Or is it, because that's always my trouble is like, I'm really good at taking the photos, but like having the system to sort of archive them in a purposeful way. Like, is that also part of it? Or is it purely just sort of the chasing of an image kind of thing just to mm. like work that muscle like is it both or is, wh- where does it usually end up when you actually use the images you know yeah another great question these are great questions um but, well uh i had to learn the to archive a little it's it's um a friend of mine was an archivist for uh for the photographer brigitte lacombe you got um, a lot of cool friends man I hired him for a few days to teach me how mm. to archive since I, I didn't ever, I did not come up through still photography. I came up, right. you know, as a production assistant and I, you know, I, I learned to take photos um, after I learned how to shoot motion picture, which is sort of an odd, yeah, yeah. most people that's not true. Um, right. But uh, it's interesting, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's very painstaking, like doing homework. And I think, I mean, there's a, a project I've been working on for a couple of years where I, you know, back the images up and, you know, try and organize them by date, you know, by year and month and date. And then, you know, I use Lightroom to sort of, put them in folders and group them right. together. And, you know, I, I would love to do a book. Um, yeah. Yeah. And well, it's just something that takes practice like anything else. Um, the, the practice of getting a camera kit together and going out and exposing the image and that sort of thing is, it's very similar to what I do as a DP. Yeah. But yeah the archival part of it and organizing and sort of like moving the needle and keeping the work going and that's outside of that realm. It, it takes more work, which right. is at first not as fun, but then um, yeah, the more you sort of push through that slog and I don't know if you've found this in your own work, Christian, mm-hmm. but um, uh, 
when you start to maybe see a few patterns of images that yeah. run together or mm. things that like, oh, that's cool. Especially, you know, I'm lucky I have a printer. I can throw right. things up on the wall. And um, yeah, it, it's it's great. And, and, and it's nice to have maybe a bit more control of the process than you might with an army of people. As fun as that can be, like to get all these great ideas, it's, it's just different. Right. Yeah. I always feel like there's little things also that you pick up from that world that I, I always bring into directing. Like even when you listen to like, whether it's like Alex Soth or Gregory Halpern or something, or like mm. they always say making pictures, like they're always making pictures they're not yeah. taking pictures. They're not yeah. like, it's not documenting. It's like very, um, yeah, it's very thought out, which those kinds of things has always uh, attracted me, I guess. But the, I'm also into the way that they, they have these little rooms, much probably like you have back there, where it's like, this is my station, that's my, my archival stuff. Like, I want to make sure everything's organized because at some point they're going to go back and they're going to make sort of a through line of work that they've been working on for two years or three years or something into maybe sometimes a book or a project or, yeah. um, you know, I think we all see like, the book and stuff that's like very substantial and it feels like, Oh, they've been, they've been taking this type of photo for so long. Um, but it's usually not like that. It's usually like a curation yeah. of your own work. Like how do you view your own work? You know? Um, I don't know. That wasn't really yeah. going to a question, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. I noticed when photographers use the word make as opposed to take, right. I noticed people in cinematographies describe making tests as opposed to shooting a test, hmm, which is something about it. It sounds good. I also heard recently, uh, who was it? I heard I was uh, someone writing or about Rob, the photographer, Robert Frank mm. and Robert Frank used to use the word hunting for photos. Mm. Like he had to say like, he was on the road. I, I think he was describing like trying to have a family, you know, family life when you come back from on the road and he was saying like, well, you, when you're on the road, you out of the hunting for photos, you go back to your hotel and pass <laughs> yeah. out and that's it. And, but then when you're home, you know, you have your family and your kids to take care of. And it's like a whole other, right. um, you know, I was, I, I did a, a, a show in Vancouver a couple of years ago and the guy, I was a great gaffer there. We were talking about work and like being on the road and being in a hotel and said, yeah, and being on the road at a hotel, it's perfect for a workaholic. Like you, you just shoot all day. <laughs> yeah. You get fixed. You just come home. Like They bring you room service, and you're passed out in 30 minutes. Like Real simple. Do you, um, do you kind of bring anything into scouts in that same nature? Like when you're going, whether it's commercial or features, or uh, I'm sure like a different director might sort of require a different sort of scout. Mm. But... Um, are there some of those elements that you bring into that, whether it's just wandering or shooting stills or whatever? Yeah. Um, I think it depends on the project, but um, the ideally uh, if it's a very location based project or story, um, I would hopefully go a, a few times, um, you know, hopefully I could be, part of the director scout and go for the first time with the director way before any other, like the technical crew would see it. But hopefully it's, you know, myself, the director, production designer, location manager. And yeah, I think the, the first, the first scout, unless you're really pressed for time, but ideally the first scout, it's great to just walk around and, right. and take things in and look and, and yeah. just kind of, React because I've noticed this. Maybe you guys have seen this. Um, when you you might go to a place. This would happen when when I was scouting Ladybird with Greta Gerwig. We we looked at all these houses for the Ladybird char character, and there would be sometimes we'd walk into a place. We must have looked at like at least fifty houses together. Um, we'd walk into a place, and I'd think like, "Hey, this is pretty good," but I'd try not to say anything. So like, well, don't say anything yet. Yeah, just like yeah. walk around because you have to think about, you know, like seven or eight different parts of the movie, and you're trying to find a place that ideally works for all of it. Yeah, it's like 
okay with it. But and then at the end of the day, you can't be too sort of logical or logistical minded about these things. You just have to see how you respond emotionally and, and feel your instinct. But so that's the first step, you know, play that, that first time. If you find someplace you like, you maybe have like an open-ended couple of hours or something. You don't always, but, um, you know, sort of walk around and then take photos. If we're looking at an array of different places, I, I shoot a slate. Mm. Like, or I take oh, anything cool. like yeah. this, X, whatever, very logistical kind of a thing. And then just go around and shoot. You know, there's very like sort of literal frames. Like I want to understand this later. So I'll just shoot something very wide. Yeah. Um, maybe shoot someone standing in a few spots to see the light. And those images help later to understand. But, but, but if, yeah, I think the first part of just sort of observing and looking around is, is helpful just because it helps you to be able to translate the photos to yourself later or to mm. other yeah. collaborators. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, then, and then once you find a place that clicks, I would go back, especially if it's a big location, like the main character's house in a movie. You know, I'd go back. I'd try and spend a whole day there and just see what's happening with the light. And, yeah. And ideally bring, you know, the actual movie camera back and make some tests. Mm. There's that word, make some tests. Make some tests. Um, <laughs> you know, shoot some tests, make some tests. And just really, uh, like, deconstruct it as much as possible. Yeah. Or just see, you know, if, if it's a practical location with available light and you're hoping to use the available light as much as you can, you know, just see, like, what is this location telling me let me let me ask you a question i'm curious you you walk into a house like with greta and are you guys kind of instantly having a conversation and going back and forth about it are you kind of letting her come to her own thoughts and conclusions and you are coming to your own thoughts and conclusions or like kind of separately or are you kind of going back and forth and talking through it as as you're looking through the location more so this, the second one, I'd say. I think um, if you're working with you know a, a strong director, um, which Greta is, I think is not going to jump to conclusions quickly. I think you have to like see the whole thing yeah. before you can make any sort of comment. It's, it's so easy to have a false reaction. And then once you walk an entire house and have a like, consistently excited feeling yeah but you've then nothing's left to see then it's like okay how do you feel okay <laughs> yeah. i feel good too yeah, yeah. and that's great and then um do you remember on that note like do you remember what the thing was about that house that you guys ended up picking like the thing that sort of stood out among the other ones um well, let's see. Um, it was actually pretty straightforward. You know, the, the, um, the anthropology of the, that house was very specific, meaning that it was a family that had a nice but modest house because <laughs> they didn't have a lot of money, but they had enough money to have, I think it was like a three, it's a three bedroom house with a single bathroom. So, uh, and then, you know, like a a lot of scenes were set in the kitchen. There was a living room. Um, So there were, there was just some specific boxes to check. Uh, It was okay, you know, to see a house that technically had more than one bathroom, but in the story, there's only had one. So the, the brief from Greta was for it to not feel like a very recent renovation of the house. So, it was important to have, you know, um, maybe had last been renovated or had finishings from like the 70s or 80s and yeah. for it to just not feel like a brand new, like recent yeah. post-2015 yeah. renovation. So we could really only look at places that were mostly that. There, there are some places that had a renovation, but it was not major and the place we looked at just really hadn't been touched. We actually had a guest house in the back that we used. We actually shot 
the Lady Bird character's dorm room for New York City in the in the back. Oh, um, <laughs> awesome. It was like we could sort of cheat it with the production yeah. designer. So you know, it's like friendly. We could get trucks in, and yeah. you could just see like, well, we'll really this creatively. This really works. That's the most important thing. But the the logistics of it being shootable and getting in and out and just being able to move around, you know, to shoot quickly and make our days. It felt like that kind of a place. Um, yeah. Yeah. This season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. We had the chance to sit down with their CEO, Daniel McCarthy, to talk about why Musicbed exists and how they're helping creatives further their craft. We felt like there was all these indie filmmakers and a ton of indie musicians and they needed each other. Um, Like we all know, like the best films are a marriage between the moving picture and music. I view it as an ongoing ecosystem that continues to, you know, increase the value of art, that continues to allow artists to support other artists. Thanks again to Musicbed for sponsoring this season of Good. As a good listener, you can get one month subscription free if you go to musicbed.com slash good. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Here's their CEO, Daniel McCarthy, again on what makes Film Supply the best stock footage resource for films. The footage being licensed is the footage coming out of passion projects from filmmakers, and, and it's because it is the most authentic cinematic, and it's the it's all the stuff that all the filmmakers have put all their blood, sweat, and tears into. Yeah. And it shows, like you look at a clip and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a motive, I wanna use that. The guys that just go out there and shoot a day for stock, like, that's not who we are. I mean, that's not what we're about. Like, we're about helping filmmakers fund passion projects and seeing the footage from these passion projects actually get used in commercial ways. Thanks again to Film Supply for sponsoring this season of Good. With Film Supply, you can license stock footage from world-class filmmakers like El Ginter, Diego Contreras, Masio Frost, and more. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com. Was this the first time that you had worked with an uh, actor-director? No, it's, she's a very unique person. I mean, she is, we can break it down. She's, she, prior to Lady Bird, Greta had been an actor, a screenwriter. She technically, she had co-directed uh, a movie with Joe Swanberg, um, but she'd never directed a movie on her own from an original script she had written. So yeah. I, I had worked with her twice where she had co-written the screenplay with Noah Baumbach. And I also worked with her as an actor in, in a movie, she had nothing to do with the screenplay for Rebecca, director Rebecca right. Miller. And so it was, yeah, it was the first time I'd worked for her, or anyone who had been all of those things and was directing yeah. their first solo directorial yeah. effort. Yeah, I was gonna ask if there was um, something that you were preparing to sort of bring to that relationship with her being that her, it was sort of, sort of, you know, directorial debut like but you guys had already known each other for so long it seems like because you, you guys have worked with noah and she's probably been on sets before there's no like sort of weirdness getting in there but yeah i guess i was just wondering if there was anything that you had brought um you know to that set sort of knowing to sort of fill in any gaps or anything like that that you may have been anticipating or something like that hmm. i think uh, well, i i'd worked with other directors making their first feature film before. Um, but I never like to lump anyone into that category. Right. Everyone's everyone's different. Yeah. And I guess I really so when she approached me about Lady Bird, you know, and you know, it's set in Sacramento and we had worked a, a, you know a couple of weeks in Sacramento together on Francis Ha, a movie she co-wrote and, and stars in. Such a good movie. <laughs> Such <laughs> a good movie, man. I, thank you. Um, well, I was really excited about the, like a Sacramento story because the little bit of time I'd spent there, I was really, I, I, uh, I had told her this would be such a good city to shoot an entire movie in. Mm. She was actually working on the screenplay at that time, which I didn't know. <laughs> she later told me it gave her a lot of confidence. Oh, she that's great. She thought, yeah. 
is this a good place to do a whole movie? Maybe it's, maybe it's a weird idea. Um, but I could really see it. And by the time when she ran it by me, uh, I thought, well, I'll read it. I already know it's going to be great. Whatever, whatever she wrote that's set there can only be great. Um, mm. And, you know, anything she would write would be great. But, but I really just, um, she was very humble in the way she went about doing her thing, you know, approaching me or just going to, going to make it. And you could clearly see, and I think in most cases when someone's making their first feature film, um, the assets usually far outweigh the deficits. You know, a, a great example of that I think is Citizen Kane was Orson Welles' mm. first movie. I think someone, you know, this would be the right kind of person, but someone making their first feature in many ways lacks certain inhibitions that people right. who've maybe done it a few times have. And that's not always true. Many people develop into making great work out of work that's maybe not as interesting their yeah. first time out. However, when I started talking to Greta, you could just see like, wow, this is really electric. What this mm. is the idea and where she's at and um, her sense of pacing and, you know, um, her cinematic sense and how it applies to this story and the dialogue. Yeah. And so I, my, to get to your question, you know, did I want to bring something specific to it? I really just wanted to, I did not want to let my past experience with her, uh, uh, sort of prejudge what we might be able to do because I knew I hadn't really see, hadn't really gotten to experience this side of her before. Yeah. I got hints of it with her as an actor, hints of it with her as a as a co-writer and work, you know, being directed by Noah. But you could just see, like, well, now this is really her thing, so it's mm. probably going to be just fundamentally different yeah. from whatever we did with Noah or Rebecca Miller. And it was because we're all different. We all have our hand, our unique handwriting. And so, you know, my job was just to prepare, you know, sort of in the way we describe scouting or, you know, planning the look or, you know, making a shot list and making a plan. Like it's just, okay, let's devote as much time as we need to prepare so that this thing can just sort of be itself and be intuitive and natural. Yeah. I, I'd be so curious you know, Greta, I mean, Little Woman was one of my favorite movies when it came out too. Um, I guess that was what, 2019? Uh, obviously, she just has such like a vision. I'd be curious to to hear, you know, someone like Greta and then someone like Kelly Reichardt, like what is, as far as like, you know, what you are bringing to the table, um, mm -hmm. how does that differ from like director to director? And and how does that change really like what you are bringing to, uh, to the job? using Kelly as a, as a specific example. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. The thing that I got from Kelly when I shot Wendy and Lucy was in the best way in prep. She, we had this great moment in, you know, scouting where she was, it's been a few days together scouting. And she was just starting to describe her philosophy of cinematography and what a cinematographer is. Yeah, She said, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I kind of want you to be invisible. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important yeah. for you to be invisible. And it's funny, I had all these, at the time, I had like all these note cards. I would write little thoughts down and things yeah. that I wanted to keep in mind. And I had had note cards in my hand and I like flipped through and I found one that just said, be invisible. <laughs> and I showed it to her. I was like, like this? That is amazing. And she, she was really moved by that. It was a great moment um but you know I, I always think like you know try and start from a place of being invisible which probably mm -hmm. comes from you know, having been a camera assistant where that's really your job is like stay out of the way <laughs> help things move forward make sure no one can hear you yeah. wear black um <laughs> and so i you know, bring that foundation into shooting and so that was definitely good yeah there but then you know it wasn't you know, obviously there has to be more than just sure. that. Um, I, I only shot that one movie for Kelly, so I can only describe that. But, it, you know, it definitely, you could really tell like a delicate touch was 
was the thing. Like, yeah. um, Greta never had to say like, just, can, can you just be invis- invisible? I think she wanted me like there talking to her, sure. leaning in on the positions where she thought the camera should go. And at first, and then by the middle, uh, I, she, she would maybe suggest sometimes that she wanted me to take the lead there sort of in the beginning. Yeah, it's like, Do you, right, right. your sense is actually just as good, if not better than mine there. Cause all this the dialogue is paced. So great. Just tell me, you know, I'll make a suggestion, but if you disagree or want something else, like you were like, kind of creating the vocabulary at the beginning together a little bit. Yeah. It was great. Because I knew her from before I was able to spend a little more time yeah. than I might normally just breaking down the script with her and we would just talk through how you might shoot certain scenes even before yeah. we had the locations and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't get that opportunity with Kelly. I, yeah. I got brought in, I got hired. I first learned about Wendy and Lucy maybe about six weeks before it started shooting. Wow. And yeah. I think a week later I was there. Um, something like that. I don't remember the exact time frame, but it was just a much, a much shorter sort of. Yeah. Did, did you feel, you know, with it being a more visual movie, like you said, like uh, not as much dialogue, did you feel more weight in what you were doing with it being like a very visually driven film or I don't know, how, how did that kind of sit on your shoulders, I guess, kind of entering mm. into that job? Well, we shot Wendy and Lucy, I think it was the summer of 2006. So it was, 14 years ago now and I think I was just younger and not as experienced then and in some ways I was an asset I I really truly believe when you're doing your first making your first foray into feature filmmaking um, and that wasn't my first feature I think it was my fourth yeah Um, but but anyways um, I think the way was not so much oh this one has less dialogue so it, it was just um at that time i think it was it's a director i really admired she had just made old joy which was yeah, incredible yeah. and i think it was just very simply like just don't screw this up <laughs> like you know like there's just that that's yeah. like a very crude way to say it yeah. but but maybe more a more sensitive way to put it might be, I just, I had a lot of respect for her. I I really loved the script. And the, I guess the pressure was, it's really right there in the script. Yeah. Your job is to just make sure you transpose this onto the screen in a way that gets at what's here and in the appropriate way elevates it in a way that everyone feels good about. You know, I was not as experienced. I did not, know her technically, you know, just dealing with, with film versus Lady Bird had a much, much longer runway just for yeah. prep in and of itself. Also, I had done four movies with Greta in different yeah. capacities right. and stuff like that. So, um, Question kind of switching maybe from, from working with directors to working with, with different actors. I, I, the one movie I think that, uh, I mean, there's probably a few, but uh, that I hadn't seen of that you had, that you had made was uh, Maggie's Plan. But I I looked at uh, the cast and I was like Greta Gerwig, Bill Hader, yeah. Ethan Hawke, Maya Rudolph, Julianne Moore, <laughs> and then thinking about working with Michelle Williams um, on Wendy and Lucy, and then Ben Stiller and Adam Driver and so many people. Um, I guess what? How does it change uh, what you're doing? Maybe even like what you're doing earlier on when you weren't working with that kind of talent. How does that change your job when you have that kind of talent in front of the camera, um, maybe versus like uh, earlier in your career? Um, do you, do you, or, or is that anything that you even have thought about or? or um, no, that's a great question. I think it, you know, most, I mean, all of those names you mentioned, if anything, like the great thing about it is it, it's easier. Um, yeah. not, not that people who aren't famous are not sure you're sure. not talented that, that's not what i mean but all those people what's what was what was easy about it was they're all great um they're all talented at ease in front of the camera 
yeah. love cinema, love filmmaking. All of those people love DPs. So if you if you sort of show up um, with some you know humility and a sense of co- collaboration, you know you're going to be fine with all those people. And you know Ben Stiller when when I made while we're young with Noah was so. He was so happy to be there. You know, and, and yeah. Noah's dialogue is not easy to, as an actor. It's very um, yeah. verbose, and um, and you know he famously wants the dialogue said exactly how he wrote it. And Ben yeah. was really good at that. He's yeah. really really good at Noah's dialogue. He's also a very serious filmmaker himself. Yeah. So it's fun when you get when you work with an actor who's also like that and has you know, has a strong cinema sense and, you know, has fun with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I know we've talked about, you know, stuff that you've done more recently, but I am curious, let's maybe go back a little bit. And uh, I want to hear about um, when you kind of felt like this was something you wanted to get into. And, you know, you talked about being a production assistant or an intern Um maybe take us back, you know, whatever that is, 20, 30 years. Uh, how did you kind of branch off into, into this? Sure. Um, I was a comparative literature major in college and did not, I didn't, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea I wanted to do film when I was, until I was in college. Um, I went to Brown University. I was a comparative literature major, but took, they offered, one production course, film production course, by this great teacher named Leslie Thornton. I managed to get into her class and just was really taken with the process. Mm-hmm. And, and she was very encouraging um, and thought I was doing some interesting stuff. And, and so I just managed to get an internship that next summer, the summer after my sophomore year of college. And, and it was in New York and it was at a commercial production house. And um, the other intern was Patty Jenkins, who now is <laughs> big. That's um, insane. So that was fun. Um, and Patty and I both went on to become camera assistants, so, sort of, I wouldn't say together, but our careers as AC is definitely overlapped. Interesting. And I yeah. love saying, Patty was a total badass camera assistant. Uh, <laughs> really, really excellent camera assistant in New York before she ever went to AFI and wrote Monster and you know mm-hmm. the rest of history. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun part of my, That's very cool. of my career. But um, the thing that really changed my perception about everything was I, I you know, I, I became a, a production assistant and then a camera assistant and then Along the way, after having assisted on some music videos for Harris Savitas, mm, he called yeah. me, Harris called me to be a sort of oddball assistant on James Gray's movie, The Yards, which he mm. shot, which was a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, and my, but my job was not, like, I wasn't a proper camera assistant. I was his, my, my title was digital assistant to Harris Savitas, which is kind of not a real job. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It was a movie shot on film, and my job was to take digital still photos of every single setup, and then Photoshop them and make a print, kind of like these prints here. Sure. How yeah. I first got into like inkjet printing, but I'd make these little four by six prints, kind of like the ones you see on the wall, and I would put them in an envelope with the film negative, and then wow. the film would get sent to Technicolor, and then the color the color photochemical color printer, um, Joe, Joey Violante, Joey V, he would take these prints and he would use them as a guide for making the photochemical print dailies. And there was, you know, a very specific set of, um, print numbers to, to match, but it was, the the stills were just kind of an auxiliary guide for Joey to get the dailies to where Harris wanted. So that was one of my jobs for him. And the other job was doing light diagramming, everything. Um, wow. And it was, that was, that was great because Harris was doing some really audacious exposures, um, mm. very like underexposed, yeah. very, very kind of risky. 
But to me, it's slightly less risky because I was recording everything for him. He would just tell me, you know, he wouldn't let me take any light readings. I showed up <laughs> on the first day with a, I thought like, oh, he wants me to take his light readings to record them. And I went to take a light reading. He was like, what is that? What are you doing? It's like, oh, and I was like, oh, right. Yeah. He's like, no, you're not taking any light readings. I'll take them and I'll tell you what. You just are. crossed the line. It was great. He's like, right, of course. I don't know what I was thinking, but, but, but it was getting to work closely with Harris or I could see, and it, I think going back to your, um, to your question from before Christian about, um, you know, do you, you know, getting feeling, do you, do you get enough credit as a DP? And then what I saw working for Harris was like the cinematography is so vast, mm. like, technically artistically it's just like a great mix of you know being creative and being technical and i could see that with the way harris did his job unfortunately he's he passed away about five years ago six years ago um but i could see like oh this guy it's like just limitless this Mm. this guy's mind and his craft is limitless and he was very unique very, very unique cinematographer who I could just see like no one, I worked for quite a few other cinematographers. No one was as thoroughly researched as Harris mm. or as adept at like putting all that technical knowledge aside and just kind of being in the moment. Wow. And so was, I, I had been very interested in cinematography prior to that, but that absolutely crystallized the idea in my mind. Like, wow. Oh, I could, be something, something, something like that. Like no one will ever be Harris. I think maybe if I was lucky at a young age, as I understood that if anyone steps behind the camera and they're sort of trying to make stuff, each person is very unique and your personality yeah. is what's really sort of goes into the process and what you see on the screen is very much a reflection of the personality mm. of the person creating. And actually at that time I said that to Harris and I was probably, I don't know, I was like 24 years old or something when I worked on that movie. And, and I remember he said like, Oh, the fact that you understand that means you're, you're sort of ahead of the game. If you, Mm -hmm. if you understand that it's all about your personality, it's not really about which light, which lens, which is Mm -hmm. important. And again, this is a person who is, as thoroughly researched in lenses and technique and the sort of alchemy of filmmaking as you can be, but, but just very adept at keeping it separate. And so ever since I've been, you know, just uh, on the journey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I do have one question on that. Um, we, me and Jared would like kill ourselves if we didn't talk about the uh, Kanye West little pump music video. <laughs> oh yeah, we got it, we got it. <laughs> how, how did it come about? Was it yeah. <laughs> I couldn't figure out a segue. I was like, we can't wrap up, Jared. We that was perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, please tell well, us about uh, that. I have a good anecdote about that for you. Okay, please. So, um. I was lucky enough to get to work on that. And I mean that absolutely sincerely through, uh, I'd done a few things for Spike Jones, the director, Spike Jones, who technically did not direct that video. He wrote the treatment for it and he sort of, he produced it. Mm -hmm. Um, but he had to be, Kanye wanted him to direct it, but he, he had to be out of town. So he just sort of like, we all prepped the job together and he designed the set. And, and then, um, I think the director credit is Kanye himself and Amanda Adelson, who's Spike's uh, writing partner and former assistant, but now very much a peer of his. Um, so Spike called me and I was very happy to get to do it. Um, and he said, when we were sort of, talking about what it should look like and what it should feel like. He said, I want this to feel like if Harris Levitas shot a movie for Stanley Kubrick. That's and I was good. like, oh, so no pressure. <laughs> 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 Harris Levitas shot a movie for Stanley Kubrick. Like, 
Okay. 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 Sure. Um, so <laughs> it was <laughs> it was kind of amazing. Um, that is. So then, I mean, one of the some of the most the most fun part of, about that was getting to kind of be on a phone call with Spike and Kanye West, just kind of I, mean, I was just listening to them Man. that idea back and forth, and you know, I mean Spike. Both of those guys are geniuses. Yeah. Spike yeah. would, you know, they would just talk and talk, and um, and then Spike kind of drew out the like, the costumes. It was like really oversized yeah, yeah. costumes. Yeah. You see. Like, you know, those are just like based on his sketches, and then the costume designer took it and ran. Wow! And it was just very, very creative, very fast. Like, you know, I got called. Like they were like, can you fly to Chicago tonight and like pre-light tomorrow and shoot in two days? Like, Sounds like a music video. Uh, it's like, <laughs> I can. I actually yeah. can. And then, <laughs> or I think it was like the next morning, but it was something really like Jesus. super fast turnaround. And then yeah. I went to the airport and they're like, it just switched to LA. We're not doing it in Chicago. And I've been like on the phone with like all, you know, crew that I yeah, yeah. work with in Chicago. And I had to call them and be like, I'm really sorry. It just... It just moved to LA. Oh, and then gosh. I was, you know, we were, you know, just like texting from the plane. I live in New York, so flew to LA. It's just one of those. I like stayed in a hotel at the airport. It was just, yeah. you know, bonkers prep. Yeah. yeah. And it was, just, it was a lot of fun working with Kanye. Um, yeah. thing, and he's, um, all I can say, you know, all of you know, his life outside of work. Sure. I, I, you know, that is what it is. Um, but, you know, the guy showed up like two hours early. Um, he just worked his butt off. And it also, it was through his production company and everyone got a check before we left. Like, that is amazing. You know, all my like grips and electricians who, let's just say, don't listen to Kanye. Um, yeah. But we're you know, happy just to go work. Like, sure. They loved him. And not yeah. just not just for the check, just just the general, like, you know, his work ethic, his work ethic was, is pretty incredible. And he, you know, he'd be like, Sam, are you good? Do you need me? I was like, no, we're good. We, we actually we probably have like an hour. He's like, okay, I'm just going to be making a beat back here. Just please come get me if you need me. Like, really? Okay. I mean, it was just not, it was not what I, I don't know what I really expected. I just wasn't, ex- you know, I've done a lot of music videos. Yeah. That doesn't fit the cliche. Right. Rarely is whoever it is, whatever genre of music is not, it's usually not like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sam, I can, I can feel that, man. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing and, and, and giving up your time and um, your experience. So thanks for joining us. And um, for real, man, it was really, really great talking with you. Uh, thanks for having me, Jared, Christian. It was fun. Don't forget, this season of Good is sponsored by MusicBed. Go to musicbed.com to check out over 700 indie artists and composers with record label quality music. And remember, as a good listener, you can get one month free off any subscription type. Just head to musicbed.com good and use coupon code good at checkout. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Licensed stock footage from world-class filmmakers. And do not forget to take advantage of features like shoots and scenes, Craft an entire narrative with extensive collections featuring the same talent and settings. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com.